Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I will admit that my soccer coaching got the better of me this weekend in my voice, so that's why I sound a little raspy. Forgive me for that. Uh, and that's why I'm eating cough drops like they're candy. One of them did. I'll tell you the epic story later. You know, I don't know uh, how you feel about getting older and feeling washed out and washed up. But, you know, sometimes I have these, these moments where I think that I am still in the 90s. Anyone? Anyone with me on that? Okay, that's good. Some of you are like, I wasn't born in the 90s, so that's okay. Well, there I was last month uh, at the roller skating party for Awana, wanting to show off my cool skills. And I decided to pick my youngest boy up and hold him while I'm zooming down the, the deal, the, the, the rink. And, you know, just to be a little bit fun with, with my boy, I pretended to tease him a little bit. So I, so I pretended like I was going to drop him. Uh, and so at one point, I'm holding him upside down while we're going down the rink. Uh, and everything's good. I, I, I had rollerblades in the 90s. Okay, my childhood was playing roller hockey. So I was totally okay, except that one of the wheels in my skates last month jammed. And I was like, oh, we are going to tumble hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, I am doing this right in front of where all the parents are sitting and watching. And it was a close call. We didn't fall. But in my super cool, laid-back dad fashion, I tried to explain to my terrified wife that it really wasn't as bad as it looked while my heart was beating out of my chest. You know what I'm saying? Anyone else ever have to dad-splain away a situation before, saying that something wasn't so bad? Well, this morning, in our passage, Paul is in jail, and it's bad. He might die, he might not make it out, and the church in Philippi are concerned. In fact, they're so concerned that they sent Epaphroditus to go check up on him and to help him out. And yet Paul, this morning in his very dad-like fashion, gives them a, a report that says things aren't really as bad as they are, but are actually really good. Well, why does Paul have that outlook? Because I can say that to Jennifer, and I am not telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? Oh, don't worry, it's okay, I had him the whole time. But, but Paul's not doing that. What, what looks terribly bad by any account of, of anyone seeing what's going on in Paul's life, Paul's actually saying it's not bad, it's good. Well, how can we have that same outlook in our own lives? And why did Paul have that outlook? And why does that matter for our Christian lives this morning? That's what we want to answer. So we're in the book of Philippians. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn there. Uh, we are still in chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, that passage is correct in the bulletin. Uh, sorry that the scripture reading was not. But we are in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 26 this morning. 
And so like I said, Paul's in jail. He is being checked on by the Philippians. They are helping him out. He sends back this letter to them by way of Epaphroditus, and he's giving them an update on what's going on. And before we jump into the text, remember we have our verse of the series that is helpful for us as we study the book of Philippians together uh, as a way of memorizing God's word so that when there are days of temptation, when there are days of trouble, and you think, now what was that Bible verse that I read a couple months ago that could, might apply to my situation, but I don't remember what it is? No, we memorize God's word so it is quickly from our head on our tongues back preaching to us the truth of God. And so that's why we have our verse of the series. So let's say Philippians 1, 6 together. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What an important promise. What an important hope. What an important verse for our lives. Let me pray for our time in God's word. Lord, we ask that we would not try to dad-splain away bad situations, but Lord, we actually ask that we would have the same perspective that Paul has when things look bad. God, help us to trust you. Help us to look for how we can be faithful in all things towards you. And would your name be great through how we live. We pray this in Jesus. Amen. Well, let me read our passage to us this morning, and then we're going to talk about what's going on in there. Uh, it's beginning in verse 12, and here's what Paul writes to the Philippians. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Well, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but, that will, but with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die, gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy the faith. So that in me, 
you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Well, there's a lot of verses there, and there's a lot of important stuff that's going on there. But here's what I think the big idea is, that if we walk away with nothing else, this is what we want to walk away with. With joy, we need to honor Christ in our circumstances so that the gospel would advance in others. With joy, honor Christ in your circumstances so that the gospel would advance in others. And we're going to look at that kind of in three ways. In verses 12 to 14, how the gospel advances in boldness. We're going to look in verses 15 to 18, how the gospel advances in rivalry and love. And then we're going to look in verses 18 through 26, how the gospel advances even in life and death. Let's look at this this, uh, gospel advancing in boldness in verses 12 to 14. So if you... Uh, uh, ask my kids my favorite pastime on my phone. It's this Europoly game. Okay, it's not even Monopoly. That, that, one, that app costs money. But Europoly is free. I like to play. I don't know why. But if you've ever played Monopoly, uh, you know there's one thing you don't want to have happen to you early on in the game. You don't want to go to jail. Because if you're in jail, you can't buy properties And then you can't get a monopoly, and then you can't build houses, and then you don't win. And so if you go to jail in monopoly, any progress of winning is lost or at least set back from advancing. So Paul, in jail, should make us think that the kingdom work has stopped. But instead, in verse 12, Paul says that it's advancing. Well, how do we know that the gospel is advancing by Paul being in chains. Well, two ways. First, he says, the gospel is advancing because the imperial guard know Paul cherishes cherishes Christ above everything else. The chains of jail have not stopped the gospel from going forth, Paul says. Though the, or through the guards being chained to Paul, The imperial guards have been exposed to the Christian faith. And so if Paul's goal is to spread the good news of Jesus, then being chained to people who would have to listen to him isn't stopping it. They're now the new focus point. And notice actually in our passage that the gospel doesn't progress in spite of adversity, but actually the adversity itself has turned out for the advancement of the gospel. So have you considered, brothers and sisters, how maybe the very thing that is getting in your way for you to live your Christian life the way that you want to is actually God's loving means for Christ to be made greater in your life? What if that terrible neighbor next door who, you know, isn't just the people who throw trash in your yard, and so then you respond in an unchristian-like manner. Uh, What if, you know, instead of thinking, well, if they weren't there, then I'd be a happier Christian. What if that terrible neighbor is actually 
how God is growing patience in you, in love beyond circumstances, and, and an endurance that will not give up, which would then advance the gospel in your life and might become the very real way that the gospel then advances in others. Maybe the spouse who drives you crazy is the very way God calls you to be more patient like Christ, more willing to sacrifice like Christ, and how to have Christ shine in every circumstance. Maybe that terribly frustrating church gospel partner isn't getting in the way There's no light. Oh, we're on now. There's no light, but it's working. We're good. This is probably not. So, for example, it's not unlike God to do that very thing in our lives, is it? But Joseph, in the book of Genesis, where his brothers sold him into slavery, but Joseph made it to Egypt, was then put second in command, saved his entire family from famine. Well, it wouldn't have happened if Joseph's brothers hadn't sold him into slavery first. In fact, Joseph was so convinced of this, he said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, as his brothers are weeping for his forgiveness towards them, he says this, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Well, the same thing is happening with Paul in our passage. The imperial guard of Rome was this elite corp of soldiers that Paul got to witness to. You know, it's interesting how Paul closes his letter in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. It says this, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So the gospel advanced all the way to Caesar's household because Paul gospel advanced Christ's imprisonment. Well, the second way we know that the gospel advanced through Paul's imprisonment, sorry, Paul's imprisonment. The second way we know that the gospel advanced through Paul's imprisonment is the response of other brothers and sisters in the Lord. So for example, if you've been following what's been happening in the churches in Canada right now, what's well, easy to see what the Canadian government is trying to do, right? So if this pastor is jailed for a month, for holding a Christian service, then the rest of their staff would feel nervous about their own potential jailing and would shrink back. But actually, in fact, that's not happening. 
people are more bold to speak the truth of God without fear of jail because it's Christ that they live for. And so the same thing was true in Paul's day too. Look at verse 14 with me. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul in chains caused other believers to be more confident in the Lord. And so instead of intimidating other Christians, Paul's imprisonment encouraged most of them to be more bold in speaking up. So the gospel advances through the boldness in our lives. So Christian, you see bad things and then get upset about its influence for the God. Right? It's easy to, to watch news that upsets us and we think that we are losing the war. I think it would have been easy for the Philippians to have said that too. You know, with Paul in jail, they put all their eggs in that basket. And now he's, he, he, he's, he's, he's not going anywhere. And yet Paul remembered two things that helped the Philippians too. Paul remembered that the war is over and won because Jesus has already risen. So no matter what Planned Parenthood does, no matter what governmental laws come into place against Christians, you know who upholds the universe, and he has already defeated. And so we can take comfort. While ministry might change in its form, God's plan isn't failing. We need to trust the plans of God But do you know the second thing that Paul reminded the Christians at Philippi? That the day of Christ coming and that they weren't home. And so it's not as if the ugly sin of the world has invaded the kingdom of God. Actually, what's happening is that the kingdom of God is invading the broken world. And so Philippi wasn't even their home. The Roman Empire wasn't even their country. They had a heavenly country. And so, so this is not our home. We are Christians who happen to live in the United States. And it doesn't mean we abandon working within our temporary country. It just means our hope isn't set on this temporary country. So when you hear terrible things in the news about violence and death and Christian imprisonment and more. We can remember that our heavenly country is still awaiting us. And we can remember that Christ has already left the tomb. So in our task, Christian, trust. So what exactly is our task as Christians? Right? Some people today have the idea that only the pastors or the ministers are, are able to share the gospel. But what's really interesting in, in verse 14 is, is how Paul uses that phrase, most of the brothers, which certainly cannot mean only pastors. Do you remember Paul's letter to Corinth? There was division about which apostle they followed. And, and Paul's response was this. I planted gospel seeds. Apollos watered gospel seeds. But that it's God 
who gives growth. Not Paul. Paulos. We plant, we water, we water already planted seeds, we advance the gospel. Paul says in verse 12, but God has to give that growth. And I say that because there isn't an automatic formula that if you build it, that they will come as if the responsibility for them to come is on us building it. Right? Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. God gives the growth, but we proclaim gospel. That is the task for Christians. And we do so by making disciples of all nations. We do it by being willing to be chained up for Christ. And we do it by being bold in our faith. So being bold in our faith, every. What would cause you to be more bold? What would you need to be more bold in your faith? Would the imprisonment of other Christians Would their deaths, because they are Christians, would that make you more bold in your faith? See, the gospel advances when we are bold in our faith because the gospel of Jesus is the most precious thing about us. And so if you don't want to share the gospel with your neighbor, because, you know, your relationship with them might get weird, to do it strategically but we don't want to so if you're in the pto with other parents friends build relationships with them you have hunting buddies be bold and share the greatest news that you could ever know i am coaching my kids soccer teams this season i've had three parents in the last month, I've had three parents from my kids' soccer team tell me that they're going through a divorce and struggling and just asking for help. And they don't even know I'm a pastor. So would you guys even pray for me that I would be bold in my I wouldn't shrink back and say, well, I'm just a soccer coach. Not that I would stand out to the very hope You feel like living out the gospel to your next-door neighbor is hard. Remember that Paul was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. Remember others in our day who have been imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. See the boldness. Uh, so be bold and advance the gospel, brothers and sisters. Proclaim fearlessly. Speak the word of God without fear. So with joy, honor Christ in your circumstance so that the gospel... Let's look at this next part, verses 15 to 18, how the gospel advances in rivalry love. Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others do from, uh, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Well, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. 
Paul is recording here is that many Christians grew more bold to speak the truth of the gospel, showing their solidarity with Paul because he was in prison. And so if Paul was in jail, they wanted to pick up the mantle. They wanted to pick up the baton that they thought had dropped to continue that work. 15 in love. And we may not realize it, but this is actually one of the best purposes of discipling others in gospel work. Because one day, we will not be able to carry that baton. Friends, there is a day coming when we might be in jail or we might be dead. But at some point, we won't be able to continue. And so the question becomes, who will continue that work? Who will continue Christ? So with discipleship, we are training others not only to love God, not only to serve God, but even then to train others. Christian ministry is not the work of the few, Paul rejoiced that Christ continued to be proclaimed in verse 18. But Paul also had another reason. If you've ever been envious or jealous of someone else's fame and success, well, it's easy to see how that interrupts true progress, right? And so there were some who were brothers and sisters in the Lord, but they were jealous and envious of what Paul was doing. They didn't like how they were being outdone, right? I remember this one time, I went on this three-month mission trip in college, and I was raising support, and my home church in Wyoming said this, well, how much is your church in Colorado giving? We want to double it because we can't be outdone by other churches, which at the time I was like, and so in one way, actually, I really deeply appreciated that. It was a little bit bizarre, at least for their motivation they expressed for why they wanted to give much? Well, it wasn't because they're like, Brian, your work is going to be so important, was that they didn't want to be outdone by it. They didn't want to just faithfully or generously contribute. Actually, all based on their church. Paul's day, there were some who also preached Christ, but did it out of rivalry as a competition for their own selfish ambition. And so if Paul was in jail, well, then it would seem likely in their minds that they would be free to be popular as Paul. Right? Christians are notorious for proclaiming the truth while also belittling anyone who isn't in their exact tribe. Which is one reason I make it a point to pray for other churches by name in our area every single Sunday, in part for my own heart. But because if my heart can also be like that, Christian, be aware, jealous of other Christians, other churches. When we see something some other Awana program doing great. You know, instead of us wanting to, to do better where we want to, uh, we should want to be the best where we can and, and grow where we need to. When another church is exploding, 
we see a warning here about preaching Christ from rivalry or envy, right? Some preached Christ in order to make life harder for Paul, it says in verse 16. And it's always easy to think that the grass is always greener in someone else's worship center. But Christian, don't be jealous or upset when someone else is doing something. The work done in the name of the same Savior, and we are proclaiming the same hope. So Christian, maybe one of the humbling things that you is to celebrate very work that God our prayer. Maybe the most humbling thing recognize and praise God in worship for what God is doing in life. Friends, easy to be discontent with what we see God do. Easy for I, that he must not be doing anything in our lives. So friends, make it a habit to look for ways where God is at work in the lives of others and be joyful that many people serve the kingdom of God together. And then rejoice in God's work in people's lives. Not fake rejoicing but be genuinely glad that someone is growing and being more and more like Christ. Paul's response to those who preached Christ out of rivalry was rejoicing. Even with twisted motives, Christ being proclaimed brings God. And rejoicing being proclaimed and let God deal with motives of us. Simply rejoice the gospel advances both in rivalry. Let's look finally, verses 18b, how the gospel advances also in. Here's what Paul said Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, continue with you all for your progress. That in me you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. Not only can Paul rejoice, over people trying to afflict him. But Paul is even rejoicing in salvation. Paul's certain that the end result will turn out for his deliverance, which is what several translations describe it as. But it's important for us to see that that word, verse 19, doesn't mean being taken out of jail. 
It might actually mean death. Deliverance does not mean not dying. And so the word deliverance is actually a word that's often translated as salvation. So Paul didn't expect to be freed, but he expected to be saved. A-B-E. So Paul is so certain of the gospel advancing in both life and death, he doesn't even know what to choose. Paul has full courage that just as he has been giving his life up to now for the sake of the kingdom of God, he is confident that Christ will continue to be honored by him, either in his life or his death, says in verse 20 and 20. So by Christ being honored, Paul sees the gospel advance. That's what he's rejoicing over. Here that Paul is assured of his salvation in verse 19, and that even his death won't affect that in a negative way, says in verse 19. So friends, how much does fear in your life choices? How much does fear in your life choose your choices? Right, I know Christians who won't fly on a plane because of the fear of crashing. I know Christians who won't stay in an Airbnb because of a certain news article that they might read. Christians who don't share the gospel with their neighbors out of fear. And yet Paul is so confident in God to make good on the completing of the work in both Paul, his life, and his death. Be clear for Christ to be And so in a profound summary statement that, that then gets teased out through the rest of our passage, Paul says in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So for Paul, to live is to be fruitful, making Jesus known in his life, and to die is only great. It's important to pause at this uh, because that's not often how we feel about things. Paul's almost deliberating between the two options about which one would be better. Paul knew that he could find joy in his death if it happened because it meant he would be with Christ. I don't want to belittle pain. I don't want to belittle loss that, that many people have had this past year. In Jennifer's grandfather, whom we loved dearly, who passed away. But we live in a society where the worst thing that could happen our minds is death. Please don't misunderstand me. Apart from Christ, at death means that people no longer have a choice or a chance to respond to repentance. Therefore, they will not know God's forgiveness or adoption of God. But Christians too often live thinking that death is the worst thing to come. Friends, let me humbly counter that Paul saw it better living in a Now, Now, we need also to be clear about this. Paul did not desire death to end the pain. Okay, Paul did not desire death because he made a lot of mistakes and wanted to avoid the consequences. Paul did not desire death because he thought that life was just not worth living. Paul did not desire death because he knew other people who were doing it too. 
Paul desired to be with Christ, and that was far better. Paul did not have a weird fascination with death. He had an obsession with Christ, which made him rejoice. He lived or he died. Not that he Important distinction. Friends, not seek out death. Seek out Christ and trust him with your life. Don't seek out death. Seek out Christ and trust him with your life. So if Christ would be honored by Paul's death, Paul did not want to stand in the way. And so in a tough year with lots of loved ones that we've lost in 2020, if we lost those who were believers, friends, they were not wishing that they were still here on earth. We wouldn't wish that upon them either. Paul says it is better to be with Christ than in the fallen world. That reality of Forrest Caldwell, of Tom Elliott, Gary Fitzgerald, Paul Hardy, of Lloyd McQuain, Andy Parker, of Marilyn Steele, just to name some who lost. They are better off are. Whether we live or die, we belong to Christ as defeat promises with Couldn't our lives and our death glory to Christ? Doesn't mean we don't sorrow their loss. Oh, we do. All who are. Notice what else Paul says about living. Verse 20. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. But Paul was happy to stay living because it meant being productive for the kingdom of God. Even more personally, Paul understood that living out the kingdom of God in his life meant that the Philippians would benefit more from him. Notice what he says in verse 24 and 25. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy faith. But Paul then wanted to live for the sake of the Philippians' progress, their joy in the Christian faith. Friends, do you see your life and your death as primarily as progress and joy in the faith of others? If that, did not, if that does not describe you, well, what steps would happen for that to be true? You to have such fruitful gospel progress in the lives of others. Right? That being that we all take. When we do that, it means that our lives are not about our Paul isn't even related to the Philippians. And yet his fruitful ministry was for other Christians to grow in the faith more. So there is no more joy 
than that in the Our lives, having been purchased and redeemed by Jesus on the cross, are to be lived, displaying the magnificent work of Christ. And so, Christian, if you are alive, and I think everyone in here is, as far as I can tell at least, if we have breath in our lungs, our lives are being I'm reminded of John Calvin's last day live Sunday, preaching. He was so sick. His body was so failing that descriptions say that more blood came out of his mouth than words that died later that afternoon. In his last moments on earth, Have air in our final result in verse 26 is that more glory would come to Jesus. This is just peeling off another layer of what it means to live to the glory and praise of God. So, friends, what we're talking about is the difference between gospel retreat and gospel advancing. Paul's life was a gospel advancement, whether in life or death. But he didn't want the gospel to retreat in the lives of the Philippians. Right? Gospel retreat is when the gospel is undermined and we live just like the rest of the world. When we look just like the rest of the world, we live only for this life. The gospel of Jesus. His life was exchanged for hours by Jesus going to the cross to pay for our rebellion against God where we are forgiven and adopted into the family of God. Well, friends, that news is the greatest life changer. I don't want to hide it anymore than a newly engaged lady wants to hide her. I want to display God's amazing, saving work in our lives by advancing the gospel through our lives so that Christ, brothers and sisters, with joy, honor Christ in your circumstances so that the gospel would advance. Paul wasn't man. He firmly saw Let us, every live to advance the gospel, not retreat. Spend a few more responding to God's word. 